there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Como Sports End Zone Podcast with Como Sports Director Nico Tamurian and Najee Moye. Well, this is the first on the Como Sports End Zone because Najee and I aren't sitting next to each other. I'm in Houston, nope. Texas. Najee's in the Como Sports Studios, his home away from home. What's going on, Naj? Nico, you know, first of all, Happy New Year to everyone who's watching. Yes. Huskers fans, Seahawks fans, fans who are of all teams. There's a lot to be happy for in this new year. Nico is as far away as, well, not as far away as possible, but he's definitely, he's where everyone wants to be, everyone in Seattle anyway. <laughs> Uh, Nico, where yeah. are you? Let's just, yeah, just where I'm are in you? My You're hotel in... Room in Houston, Texas. Hey, with a bunch of dogs, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it's one of those things where this is, it's a little, you know, New Orleans was full of Texas Longhorns and burnt orange everywhere. Um, and they're all celebrating, uh, you know, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day on Bourbon Street and all that good stuff. But the Huskies had a really good representation for it being about 2,500 miles away. And you heard that as UW kind of grabbed control of that game and eventually won it. Um, it remains to be seen what the deal is here in Houston. It's a little, you know, is it going to – I don't know. You know, um, Michigan, I, I suppose, without having a map right in front of me, is probably a little bit closer. But it's the natty. Like, everybody's going to travel this. It'll be interesting to see how the crowd breaks down. Um, the tickets, we're told, have sold quicker than last year's game with Georgia and TCU. Oh man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Was you know, both teams, both teams travel very, very well. I mean, it's been the Wolverine, I mean, the Michigan just they they travel well. They, I mean, they fill pack the stadium wherever they're going to go. But I, I want to mention, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of that uh, the Sugar Bowl, it was very, very burnt orange. It was very, very pro Texas. I mean, being just over the border. And then I distinctly remember there was a certain point where I heard a Go Dogs chant after a while but before we even talk about monday the game was not quite uh it wasn't it wasn't completely in question even until the very last second nico like i mean there's a lot of things that was going on Tell me, you were you were there there was a there was a vibe switch at, at a certain point it, w- what happened yeah it was funny because a little like inside baseball here is you know so i watched the game in the press box and then any game, whether it's Seahawks, Huskies, Mariners, whatever game I'm covering, I'm op- I move from the press box down to field level in the last few minutes um, so I can be ready for interviews and whatever may or may not be happening on the field after the game. And admittedly, I, I left the press box. Okay, UW's got this. Like, they're up nine, a couple minutes left. This is this is good. It also takes a little while sometimes to get from the press box down to the field, especially in a dome as cavernous and large as the Superdome in New Orleans is. And by the time I got down to the field – my first reaction was like, what, this, this game's still going on? Wait, Texas still has the ball? Wait, they're driving and they're only down six? Like, it was just this progression in my head of like, what in God's name is happening? And then, um, obviously, yeah, you know, so I got to watch from the field as UW 
um, was able to close them out in those final minutes, including the great play at the end there. So um, it was a wild sequence for fans at home and really people in the stadium as well. Um, it was this like feeling of UW fans feeling euphoric, then nervous, then really scared, and then euphoric again. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's something that we kind of saw from UW throughout the year, just kind of a cardiac, almost cardiac inducing, you know, just like so many games just being decided by, I mean, it was literally one second at the end of the, you know, at the end of the game, Texas could have just, you know, and a great defensive play there at the end. It just, it, it was very stressful. And I'm sure a lot of Huskies fans were just like, not again, not again, not again. I, <laughs> I got text messages and they were there. The game looked very in hand for a while, but there was even that roughing the, 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 not, it wasn't the roughing the, the kicker, but whenever that, the, the gunner hit the return man. I was like, are we doing this? Is this how it's happening? There's plenty of time left. You know, like I'm just, I'm my head is in my hands right now. I'm like crying in my pizza right now. What is happening? <laughs> but we had a great Richard Sherman-esque play at the end of the game too. I mean, I've talked a lot about oh the Huskies God. defense. And, and hey, it was a great defensive play to just swat that ball out of there because that, we're not talking right now. You're not in Houston right now if that swat doesn't happen. No. And what's really cool about that whole thing is that all season long now, the so-called experts, the people that have, as you and I have both lamented on this show all fall, they've used this notion of UW playing these close games as a bad thing. They've said it right. in, a, in a negative connotation. Well, they haven't blown anybody out of the water. I don't care because what we saw against Texas on Monday was the culmination of all of those close games. Close games. UW showed that they knew how to win against Oregon twice, and Oregon State, and Arizona State, and the list goes on and on. The Cougs, I mean, gosh, and the Apple Cup. And yet fans were just using – not fans, excuse me, like the national pundits were using it against them as this negative thing. Well, they only beat the Cougs by three. Well, they only – you know, they, they were an underdog to Oregon because they only beat them by three because Dan Lanning messed it up. There's just been such a disrespect. But for me, and you know this because I've said it every week, I've seen lose close games as something different. I've seen this team grow every single time. There's though you're always going to get punched in the mouth in college football. You're always going right. to be punched the wall. But you dub learn from those last nine weeks of the regular season and back to our championship, how to win the close games. And guess what? When it was a close game again, when it really mattered in the national semifinal. They'd been there. They said, we got this. And they did. That defense, you know, hey, there were moments they gave up a little too much. But guess what? When they needed to, just like against Arizona State, when Mish Powell had the pick six that saved the season when you look back on it, yeah, the defense made the play they had to with the season on the line once again. And that's what those close games we've seen all season has done. Prepared UW for that moment. And I suspect another moment that we'll see again in the national championship game because this matchup looks so even with Michigan. You know, I'm sure Huskies fans want – they want to win games by a lot of points, and, and it makes perfect sense to. But when you win so many games and you get to this point, you know, you're undefeated, Pac-12 champions, you know, the last probable pro, uh, Pac-12 champions, you know. This is a season that everyone's going to remember because of all the games being so stressful, because of the instant classic in, in Montlake and the classic in the Pac-12 championship game. The Sugar Bowl was also just a, a, just a complete just like – you write stuff like that. Um, and it's a legitimate skill. And I credit, credit uh, Coach uh, DeBoer in that. It's a legitimate skill to have your players ready. Like, hey, listen, guys, look at me in the face. This is it. This is it. This is, I mean, and I guess maybe 
the whole cause of yeah, well, the Huskies only winning by one point, six, uh, six points, three points. It's because teams like Alabama and the past Nick Saban teams, Georgia teams, have spoiled the world and thinking that hey, you can just roll over some of these teams, you know. But I think you know with NIL and a lot of other the transfer portal, some of these teams like Arizona State are just better than the than they you know were. 10 years ago, a four-win four team is better now than they were, you know, 10 years ago, you know, because yeah. of NIL yeah. and, all, and all that other transfer window stuff. Go ahead. No, no, I was agreeing with you. And I think that that's a great point to make because this is not the college football of even five years ago. A win right. is a win, you know. And, I yeah. mean, you see some of the, the contenders this year and teams they lost to, um, you know, outside, of course, of UW and Michigan, the only two undefeated, which I think is perfect for this national championship game. Um, you're bound to stub your toe, but that's just it. UW did not stub their toe. And, and and the math and the logic of it says when you play that many close games, you're bound to lose one, but they didn't. And and that's to me the greatest strength of any team. I don't, you know, Georgia can beat uh, you know, Florida State who didn't even try in the Orange Bowl 63 to 3. And I think that's super impressive. But yeah. you know what? When they when they had the close call against the team they ended up getting in the playoff over them in Alabama, they didn't win it. And yeah. um UW did against Texas, who, by the way, beat Alabama. And and to me, that that's, I mean, let's let things play out this coming Monday. But when you're talking about that group of teams, I think that explains it right there, that this Huskies team, I'm going to tell you the theme, Najee, because, um, gosh, with these bowl games, we certainly appreciate the opportunity. But you're literally talking, we've already talked to these guys all season, but you're talking with these guys constantly as the week goes on. For that Sugar Bowl, I mean, Players and coaches, in some form or fashion, were talking Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five straight days up until Monday's kickoff. So by the time you get to Monday, it's like, let's kick it off, right? But right. the point I'm trying to make in saying all that is that the UW players were just so sick of hearing the underdog thing. Like, It's not that they were like getting annoyed about a reporter asking it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, we see it. We're used to it. Let's go prove some people wrong. And they're four and a half point underdogs again. It's like, uh, Michigan, listen – amazing team this is not some kind of knock on them but like when are we going to learn our lesson here um to the folks in vegas like um and so this team they're brought closer together by this us against the world mentality you see the hashtag their football you know x account uses us versus us that's what it is it's okay it's us against you know these people that you know are saying all this forget them okay these people that say our close wins were our weakness which is stupid forget them. don't worry about it it's us Playing our game plan, and we know if we do that, like we saw Monday against Texas, when it comes down to it, they're going to find a way. Well, not only that, the Huskies had a really hard schedule all year this year. Uh, I mean, and, and let's talk a little bit about Michigan. I mean, we talk about two teams with the styles are just completely like polar opposites, you know. J.J. McCarthy is a fantastic quarterback, but he's not throwing for 430 like Michael Penix did in the silk purple do-rag by the way that was clean i have not seen anything like that just something straight from the 90s in new york i love to see it i love to see it um we got a, a huskies team that i mean we just i saw and i'm still in awe of michael Penix just dropping these like next level stop pass, passes to poke and the tight ends to, to odunze just like the ball can't oh the ball has to go in a certain position and man Penix, he the the, the he throws it so hard it's the accuracy is the next level, but but we, and you compare that to Michigan. Michigan is a tough. They want to run the ball. I mean, Harbaugh would run the ball fifty times a game if he could. You know, but I mean, what kind of game do you think we're going to see? I mean, we got a high-powered offense from the Huskies and maybe a team that's kind of like if you think about football, maybe 
be more home in the 70s or 80s to playing outside and you know um, and the Michigan Wolverines I mean we're going to see a, a, a lot of con- contrasting styles here who do you think is uh yeah, you certainly are. known yeah I, I think that the the important thing to mention here Najee a couple things um you mentioned Michael Penning Jr when he was throwing the ball I've been fortunate enough to you know cover from a professional standpoint uh you know college football games the last eight 19 years 18 years something like that um Gosh, I'm getting old. Can I just say that? Yeah, your career is old (laughs) enough to drive and almost old enough to drink now. (laughs) Hey, no kidding. Um, That's good. It is. And I've never, ever, ever in a college game see a quarterback just effortlessly put the ball exactly where it needs to be like Michael Penix Jr. does. I mean, that one in the third quarter to put him up 28-21, the one to McMillan over the middle. Talk. I mean, threading a needle is a cliche, but not on that one. I mean – yeah, that was a fastball. That was a fastball, and the and we'll push, probably, yeah, and I'll, it was. You're talking about the one right the middle, but splitting the two defenders, and honestly, the camera, the network camera, couldn't even catch up. Like <laughs> I'm watching this on TV, and I'm like, did was the ball picked to the score? Where did the because the camera was slow to get into? Oh, he caught it because Michael Penner threw the ball at 200 miles an hour. You know, like it, it was absolutely insane. I. I so, so, but we're going to see some, we're going to see a great offense versus a super solid defense, you know, in Michigan. Yeah. And then that's the thing. So you've got the, you know, immovable object against the, irres- something force. I forget what that cliche is. Um, you can't you say know, but <laughs> I forget what it was. I don't know what it is, but it's, um, <laughs> a very it's, spicy um, force. <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. Uh, it's sure. UW in, in the best passing game I've seen in college football ever. With Michael Penix Jr. and those three receivers, Roma Dunze, surefire first round pick. Michael Penix looking like a surefire first round pick. And the other guys, yeah. McMillan and, and Polk, are going to play. In, I don't know when they're going to get picked, but they're going to play in the pros someday. And then, as you mentioned, you have Michigan, who I've, I've really admired all year from the standpoint of the way they run the ball, the way they smash mouth. It's like Midwest football to a T. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of points because I think both offenses are that good. And it's not a knock on the defenses, but I think you're looking at another one-score game in the high 20s or upper 30s once again. I, I think you're probably right. I mean, we look at Michigan, they're a team that wants to run the ball. I mean, Blake Corum is a fantastic running back. He'll be playing on Sundays. Um, and maybe even J.J. McCarthy, and there's a lot of top-notch defenders on that team. I, I think we're going to see another tight game. I don't see it being like a, a very high-scoring game because I think the slowness that Michigan – and I wouldn't call it slow, but the deliberateness that Michigan plays with is going to kind of combat maybe some of the high-flyingness that we've seen from the Huskies. I think we'll see the game in the 20s. I think it'll be a three-point game. I don't want to talk about scores right now because it's sure, really sure. about – 15 minutes into the podcast and we have some other things to get to, but I, I do think that if, if you're a Huskies fan, you're excited for this game. If you're a Huskies fan, you definitely want to play Michigan as opposed to Alabama, I believe. Yeah. Um, I because they match up better. I think um, Alabama this year is probably closer to what the Huskies are this year, you know? So you want, you know, offensively speaking, I think we're going to see a lot of throws. I think, you know, Dylan Johnson got hurt, you know, at the end, and he's probably going to end up playing. Um, the running back got hurt at the end of the game, uh, it, you know, and he's scored two touchdowns. He's a big reason as to why the Huskies won the game last week. Um, but I still think the ball will be in Penix's hand. He, the Huskies know where he goes, they go. And Najee, I would say to that, I mean, 
at this point, I just can't picture Michael Penix Jr. losing. I'm as simple as that. It really he, is. Kind of, yeah. I, I mean, because I, he doesn't really make many mistakes. No. Like, and he's so – we can talk about the accurate. We can talk about the arm and, and just how amazing it is to watch him throw the football. The guy's a winner. And and yeah. we talk about all this adversity. We talked about the close games. Let's not forget Michael Penix Jr., as we've talked about often in the show, overcame four season-ending injuries in his time in Indiana. Four. This guy is not taking any game for granted. This guy is – he's the he knows this is the last run. He knows football can be taken away at any moment. Cliché is – that is in any, you know, cliches that may be. So I think it's it, it's just really special when you have a leader like that, that knows how to win. You know, you see him out there, he'll wear the sunglasses or he's like, you know, he's got the, he's just in a, he's in a zone. He's present in the moment, which is so rare for any athlete to do at any level, especially, you know, the special ones at that level. Like when I say present in the moment, you're talking about, LeBron chasing down Iguodala to get a crazy block at the end. You're talking about a Michael Jordan or Kobe buzzer beater, right? Oh, yeah. Penix has done that this season. And to me, I, I just – I could be wrong Monday. Of course, it's a game anybody can lose. I, I just don't see Michael Penix Jr. losing a game of that magnitude. And, you know, he's – you said it, Nico, four season-ending uh, injuries – in Indiana, and let's face it, Indiana is not UW. I mean, the talent that he's surrounded around now, he's definitely seizing the moment. He's copying the DM, um, definitely because, and you know, and he, and also he's he, as he mentioned, he kind of uh, invoked Geno Smith a couple of weeks ago. He said that he hasn't written back, and he still hasn't. You know, he's probably upset he didn't win the Heisman. We've been talking about him winning the Heisman all week, all all year actually. Um, and yeah, you know, Jay and Daniels, you know, whatever did win. However, but if anyone watching that game, the Sugar Bowl, if the, if the Hodgman voting was this week, was no, Penix not well, <laughs> It's a tough one, but you know, I think I don't see any other way this goes other than being close and being a Huskies win by a few points and being that poetic finish to what's been a storybook season with all these crazy finishes and all that. Um, I think it's one thing to look at the X's nose like we have, and I have all the respect in the world for Michigan because I think they're fantastic. And I thought that if you asked me back in October, I would have said, yeah, I think this is going to be the playoff game. I mean, you know, and I think that, I mean, Georgia, as great as they are, they didn't look as dominant as they did in 2022. You kind of had a right. feeling and like, well, oh, you know, they could trip up in the SEC being the tough conference it is, and, and they ultimately did. And But I just never had that feeling about Michigan or or uh, Washington. I almost said Wisconsin. And I think that it, this is this is the championship game we wanted, waited all year for, and UW in the Sugar Bowl showed us something, I'm, and Michigan in the Rose Bowl showed us something. So let's line them up. Let's see who's more clutch, and let's see who's our national champion. And my goodness – you know, Nash, this would be the only national title for UW football that they don't have to share with somebody. Because the That's 1960, true. Yeah, the 60 and 91 title, they had to share. Back in 91, of course, as you know, it was the, uh, you know, the two rankings, whoever's voted number one. UW was number one in the coaches. Miami was number one in the AP. And the rest is that. And so, you know, now oh, really? we have, we finally, thankfully, don't have that kind of stuff anymore. Um, even there's going to be always debate over the human side of it, like Florida State thinking they should be in, they should not have been. 
and they can complain all they want, but come on. Um, you know, and I think that, well, are they going to get in over the SEC champ? Come on. Um, yeah. But yeah, this yeah. would be the first solo, not sharing with you, championship. And the Pac-12 gets its first of that kind in the last year of its existence. And it goes to the dogs. And by the way, I just want to point out to you that uh, no matter how Monday's game goes, the Wolverines are coming to Montlake October 5th as a Big Ten conference game. As a Big Ten, I was going to say, yeah, these two teams, they're going to get pretty intimate together. You know, the W's and the upside down W's, as I want to call them. You know, the, yeah, the, the transition, and, and Kayla DeBoer even said the transition is going to be seamless to the Big Ten. You know, um, it, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I, I'm so excited for this game. I, I, it's just, and it's funny, you know, the last time you said that the Huskies, you know, got to this point, they shared it with Miami um, in 91. That was also the year I was born. Fun fact. <laughs> it long, it's been a long time. The Husky fans have been waiting for a long time. And I can tell you <laughs> that they're hitting the bars. They're hitting, you know, the beer halls. They are prepared for everything um, to, to go. And I can tell you, and you know, the situation in the newsroom with all the coups that we have in the newsroom, they're they're smiling with a tear in their eye. I don't know, actually they're not exactly smiling. I know a couple uh, couple uh, coups that are like, yeah, I guess I'll root for the Huskies. You know, <laughs> a couple eye rolls. You know, do I have to like that kind of thing? Yeah, just kind of do I have to? Yeah, which is which come which I get. I which I completely get. Given you know the whole entire Pac-12 situation, you know, um, given the fact that the Cougs are still left in the Pac-12. Um, is it's definitely something they, they do have a gripe about that. I'm not going to lie, but can we all just be united in the whole, bring a championship to Seattle, uh, to, to Montlake, you know, sailgating. I, I mean, we're not going to see like, I, I, I thought back to, um, they don't do parades in college, you know, I was thinking maybe because of NIL, they might well, it's gonna have I mean, to be a parade if they win. Right? It's going to have to be some sort of celebration. I was thinking uh, yeah. back whenever the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady was, <laughs> sashaying around Tampa with the, with the trophy throwing around boats. We may, we won't see Michael Penix doing that on Mont Lake, but you know, a guy can dream. It'd be cool if you um, did. It'd be cool if you did. Do you have any score predictions? I kind of alluded to one before, but. 28, 27 dogs. Wow. And can I point yeah. out to you, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I made an appearance on our Seattle arc newscast with Steven Tyra in the morning last week <clears throat> in game day. And I said, the Huskies were going to win 34-31. I was very close. You're doing pretty good. You know, if you've a lot, if you've listened and watched our podcast in recent weeks and months, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, um, you know that we've been doing pretty solid with you know yeah. with Husky scores, mostly with Seahawks scores uh, going forward. I'm not telling you to call your bookie or go on ESPN better head to the casino right now. Do not do that because of us, anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna do it, fine, but just don't do it because of us. Yeah, no, no, don't do it because of us. You know, it will be so poetic if the Huskies win this by like ten points. You know, given the fact that the whole the way the whole season has gone, um, you know, of all the close games, you know, people are like, oh, they always win the close games, they always win the close games. What if this one just isn't? You know, I was kind of surprised Michigan beat Ohio State earlier this year. So yeah, I mean, and we talked about the beginning of the year. I was I was thinking Ohio State and Georgia are going to win the championship at the beginning of this year. Um, I was wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong. Um, if you want to talk about points, um, I'm going to say Huskies win 28 to 20. So we're in the same wavelength, though. Yeah, we're, we're not far off. Not at all. Yeah. No. 
Um, yeah. I'm excited to see it. What what are you what are you most excited for other than the actual game on Monday? I mean, you're in Houston. I mean, like what what are we what are we thinking? Like what what are we thinking? Game day is going to be like like on on Monday night. That's what I'm looking forward to. Is just there's an electricity in the air at these kind of events. <clears throat> um, gosh, I mean, it's hard to I mean, describe. It's cool. I saw like, you hugging. What's that? Uh, I said Dubs. Dubs is gonna be excited for sure. I saw you hugging Dubs in the in the Instagram post the other day. Dubs and I are hugging relationship. <clears throat> Dubs the Husky and we um are gonna hang out. Hopefully we're live in your newscast hugging on Monday. But I love that. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's just it's just the circumstance. It's like, I mean, there's just you know, anytime you've been to a big game, fan media, otherwise, you just feel that palpable buzz in the air. And now it's the natty. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than this in college football. Um, you get a sense and appreciation for the history. If you dub, well, like think of it this way. If you dub wins, we're already never going to forget this run, of course, but I mean, it becomes just immortal. Like right. Michael Penix Jr. becomes lore. He's already lore in Seattle, but he becomes like unforgettable. He becomes like what all those Seahawks of the Legion of Boom era was like, he becomes this, unforgettable he second he walks into seattle the rest of his life people are just kind of like you know we love you thank you and all that stuff and there's just such history and UW fans are so passionate and they've waited 32 years which is not as long as a lot of schools but for a prestigious team like that it's a long time um you mentioned you were born you have people in their 30s that have rooted for UW their whole lives have never seen this if they can win it and it's generational, and that's that's the feel you get. Now, the challenge for the players, which I believe this UW team will be able to handle and then some because they've done it all year, is the gravity of that situation, right? Like, you are playing for history. You are playing to put your name in the record books forever. Now, for us observing it, we're kind of like get a little nervous and like, oh, wow, that's a lot. But for a guy like Michael Penix Jr., who's just unflapp- unflappable, I mean, man, Can that's be- what makes him special. That's why he's going to do great at the league. The man cannot be flapped. He talks his D-rag in. No flaps on yeah, the D-rag. Yeah, that was sharp. He was that out was, that the was purple is a really nice touch. And, do you, you know, we talked you, about this. The last time the, that UW played for a national championship, it was to beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Now, again, we talked about that wasn't a direct national title game. It just helped them finish undefeated and got them a share of the title. But I just think it's so poetic that here we are 32 years later, and once again UW is, has to beat Michigan to win the national championship. And rumor has it they're going to wear the same, at least, color scheme of uniforms that they did that day—the purple pants, the white jerseys, and the gray, uh, the gold helmets. So that was, that's going to be awesome. That was going to be my next question. I was going to see because I know you know the Huskies wore the all purple with the with the gold helmets on on the Sugar Bowl. And you know you brought up uh, the the Michigan game. Do you remember that was actually that you know we we you and I kind of t- tag team the sports cast I produced it you and you were a big yeah. part of it uh, when you kind of within the first couple months of you being at Como it's kind of what the first real time maybe maybe that was the 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 egg that you know sprouted this beautiful podcast but like that was the first time we kind of worked together um it was that uh it was a post game show uh uh after that Huskies uh, Michigan game uh, a couple couple years ago do you remember that the the original I do answer. and, and- and that's an important thing to talk about, Najee. Really, like, it's fun for you and I to think about. But it shows how far UW has come. I mean, that was the Jimmy Lake year where he was fired. Dylan right. Morris was your quarterback, and he's with the team right now, but he is in the transfer portal. Uh, Michigan beat them pretty good in Ann Arbor. 
And it was the first, well, no, the first, let's be honest, the first sign that something was wrong with UW was the loss to Montana, um, not like the week prior. But it was just a continuation of what ended up being a nightmare season of 4-8. and And from that point, where they got beat up in Ann Arbor, you know, they've hired Kalen DeBoer, they brought in Michael Penix Jr., they brought in Dylan Johnson and all these guys. And in the two seasons, now that, you know, in the two seasons since then, I mean, think about that. 25 and two. I was going to say, what a difference two years makes. <laughs> right. And, and, and so I've, I've always looked on that in regards to UW. Fondly, oh, of course, it was fun to work with you on a special and all that jazz. It was a great time. But talk about how far that program has come. And just an illustration of the coach that Kalen DeBoer is to orchestrate that kind of turnaround, both in the talent that he's brought aboard and the scheme that he's brought aboard that quickly. It's amazing. Yeah, it really I mean, is. It's amazing. I mean, could you even thought of I me? Mean, you, you just kind of got to Seattle um, a couple months prior to that. You know, could you imagine just like that same, you know, that same purple and gold W was going to be in the natty. You could be in Houston covering them about two years later against Michigan, against the same, not the same Michigan team, but that Michigan team definitely, um, it was not a good result that day. <laughs> no. You know, one thing yeah. I'd like to point out when we're still talking about the dogs is what makes them so difficult to prepare for you know michael Penix is as elite as they come but, but even the best coaches can prepare for something like that i mean you know tom brady and patrick mahomes have lost in super bowls before right like you can prepare for the best of all time what makes this uw team so difficult to prepare for is the amount of plays they run out of the same situation same formations and, and situations they could have the same lineup the same way and call about 20 different plays Maybe more. I don't know. They could be the same. Let's say, you know, panics over the middle to McMillan because I love that play. They could call that same play, but dress it up pre-snap and make it look like about 10 other plays. It is next to impossible to prepare for UW from a film standpoint where you say, okay, when he lines up here and he lines up there, they do this play. No, you can't do that with these guys. That's what's so incredibly difficult about UW hats off to Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeVore in that respect. And let's see if it pays off one more time this season. Right. And, and yeah, no. And I, and I loved you. You brought up uh, Ryan Grubb. I mean, that offense is so inventive. I mean, those moments I was watching the sugar ball and I'm like, we're doing a trick play. You know, we're doing an end around again. Like, and it's not, you know, you'll see some games and you know, you'll have one coach. You just kind of do one trick play, you know, one couple, you know, a couple of passes in the backfield, but you know, we're doing like three or four of them over the course of the game and they're working and they're going and it's going well most of the time, you know, uh, high risk, high reward, which is something that I love. Um, I was in the newsroom and I was talking, uh, I was kind of, it was after the Huskies game and I was kind of comparing Penix and that offense and the only thing I can think of I mean you'll see numerically they compare the you know everyone nationally compares them to Joe Burrow's 2019 uh, LSU Tigers team when he had Chase and 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 Jefferson and how spicy that team was I was seeing some NFL level throws I'm more likely comparing Michael Penix to Peyton Manning back when he was with the Colts you know and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison just kind of like making these bomb throws and like these particular passes that are just like over the middle. And we saw Michael Penix do something that Peyton Manning doesn't do ever. He ran quite a bit in that game too. Um, and definitely helped out quite a bit. I mean, his legs are working completely fine. There's no worry about injury at all. That draft stock is bumping up, baby. <laughs> yeah. I heard somebody who I very much trust in the football world. And I thought this was pretty cool. 
they were texting me during the, the game. And they said he kind of reminds them, Penix reminds them of Tua, maybe just a little bit bigger than Tua, uh, maybe not quite as mobile. But what he does with his legs, I mean, he's mobile enough, but he uses that same cerebral way of beating you when he scrambles out of the pocket. There were so many plays, Texas and that vaunted D-line thought they had him done, and then he just, you know, shifts, shifts, not quite that slow, but he shifts, right. and he and he would find his guy downfield or maybe scramble for five or six yards. Um, it's He's mobile enough, but his mind's faster than everybody else, and that's – I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of Michael Penix back when he was in Indiana. And then I became more of a fan when he got here, given the injuries he overcame. But I remember he made Indiana, who's been almost like irrelevant in the grand scheme of things in college football, he made them relevant and had them in the top 10. And you knew you had to, he had to be special. The injuries derailed all that, right? Um, right. But he's, he did that a few years ago. And he's only gotten more and more savvy in seasons as a football player in mind. And, and that's what we get to watch on Mont Lake and now here in the national championship every week. It's just sensational. He deserves it. He deserves, he deserves it every it. way. And, and I, his- actually, we talked about this a few weeks ago when I did that story with him before he even took a snap at UW and I'll never forget it. We were talking about all those injuries we mentioned a little while ago. And I talked to him like, you know, how do you overcome that? And how do you come back from that sort of thing? And he said, you know, I usually don't talk, open up, talk about this, but, I'm going to open up with you. And that meant so much to me. And he did open up. He said he thought about quitting football. Thank goodness he didn't. Thank and goodness he didn't. He's right. And I think he can be such an inspiration to anybody in any walk of life. We're all going to run into stuff. We're all going to have stuff. Every And some people's stuff is worse than others. But you don't have to give up. And, there, and if you work hard enough is what the example that Michael Penix Jr. has set then more often than not, something on the other side is going to work out. And, man, it could be for him a natty and a nice NFL career. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I wouldn't bet against him, that's for sure. And not only that, you know, we hope that we have friends around like Polk McMillan and uh, and Odunze and then guidance from a guy like Kalen DeBoer. That's the dream team right there, and you know, and a bunch of other guys. I mean, the team is just stacked all around. Um, he's definitely outplaying his draft stock. I know his draft stock is right. He's definitely outplaying getting drafted by the Seahawks this year, um, because I've, for weeks I've been saying, you know, he may just stay in Seattle a little bit. You never know because, and I'm sure the Hawks are watching uh, definitely because they're going to be watching because they may be in the playoffs by the time Monday comes around. Um, they they have a pretty huge matchup. They have to win. They have to win. Is that right, Nico? Um, they have, they have to, beat to win. The, and the Packers have to lose. Yeah. Yeah, and the Packers play the Bears, and I'm sure the Bears would love any 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 moment um, to spoil the Packers' uh, playoff hopes. And honestly, you know, we, as we kind of delve a little bit into the Seahawks, I mean, we look at the Cardinals and how they played against the Eagles um, uh, last week, and it's like, you know, hey, what's happening with the Eagles? Okay. You can take that standpoint, but also it's like the Cardinals are playing up, you know, are, is that the same Cardinals team that we're, the Hawks are going to see this, this Sunday, that's going to kick them out of the playoffs. Hopefully not. Um, if you're from, if you're in Seattle, um, if you're in Phoenix, you think opposite, obviously. Um, I, I, I think I, if we're doing scores, I mean, I don't want to do scores, but if you're doing scores, I think the, the Hawks would pretty much, I don't want to say roll, but I'm going to guess a 14 point game between the, the Cardinals over the over the Cardinals, um, and I do think the Hawks will make the playoffs because I, th- I see the Bears just kind of sticking it to the Packers. Honestly, that would just continue an awesome beginning to 2024 in Seattle sports, wouldn't it? 
And that no. is the scenario. Hawks yeah. have to win. Packers have to lose. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving a little bit of pause because the Hawks did kind of struggle and need a little bit of last minute separation to beat Arizona. But that was before Kyler Murray was back. Um, that was with Dobbs, actually, when he was still in Arizona and before he went to Minnesota at quarterback. And I, I agree with you. I think the Hawks, won't, I don't, I think they'll have an easy time. And how poetic would it be? I mean, it's kind of poetic already that here we are in the last week of the season. And once again, it's down to them and the Packers. And the only difference this time around is that, um, you know, we don't have the Seahawks game first, then have to watch the Packers play somebody, thanks to the Lions last year. Um you know, the games are at the same time. So you're kind of like flipping stations and whatever you got to do or watching something on your phone. And I think I, I'm with you. I just have that feeling that much like I have confidence in Michael Penix Jr. in the clutch moments, when their backs are against the wall, much like we saw against the Eagles about three weeks ago, the Hawks, more specifically, a Pete Carroll-led team, find a way to come through. It's a shame it's not down to their own uh, controlling their own destiny, but they're going to control what they can control. And the Bears look pretty good lately, so why not? That's what I'm thinking. The Bears did look pretty solid. I, I know I'm thinking, you know, this is a this is a Pete Carroll team who beat the Eagles out on that Monday night. You, you were there, you know. Um when you gotta have it, you gotta have it. Like this is this honestly will change if the Hawks make the playoffs, and you know, if the Hawks make the playoffs, the offseason can go way left, if you know what I mean. And yeah. if, but if they don't, or if they do make, if if the Hawks make the playoffs, what I'm saying, the things can go right or things can go very left, you know. And and I I think this game is going to be a very very pivotal going forward. Um, we talk about the offseason, we talk about changes may, maybe being made, draft positions. You know, who are we drafting? Who's our quarterback? You know, um, I, I I think this game could set a lot of things in motion because of that. Um, I'm almost cementing the Seahawks to win. Like I've never been more confident in them. Um, this whole year, and honestly, they haven't deserved my confidence, truthfully, because it's, it's been a rather inconsistent year. But I, I think when you got to have it, you got to have it. It's a divisional game, always tough. I'm aware. Um, you got to have it, and I think they'll, I think they'll get it, and I think the Bears will win. Book it. Yeah. Seahawks twenty four fourteen, Bears twenty four twenty three. It's odd me being more optimistic than you, Nico. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that I just – you know me. Uh, I have many times said I pick games on feel, and this has the feeling of one of those. Now, maybe – you know, it almost has the feeling like it's been disappointing for the Hawks that they'll win, and then, well, Green Bay won. But let's do it. Now, Let, let's go for positivity. Let's have this be, you know, the most epic first, like, 10 days of a year ever. You know, oh my Sugar God. Bowl and Natty, Kraken winner classic, Seahawks get in. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, let's yeah, do no, it. I mean, hey. This is this has been a fun year, and the Winter Classic was just all amazing. Like honestly, just seeing yeah. seeing my favorite thing. My favorite thing is I loved when the entrance I mean, to to deviate a little bit about the Winter Classic. I love the yeah. entrance, um, the goalie going first, the the salmon being thrown um, <laughs> across, and then the best thing about that is Sir Mixlotch rapping in the background. Like what are you can hear like this peak Seattle at its best, man. I love to see it, and the Hawks won, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and the Kraken won. Um, and history was made, the first shutout in the Winter Classic, with Joey Decord, a, 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 a complete 35-35 shutout. I've never even heard of that. I didn't think that was possible. No, and that was the one thing I, as much as I loved every moment of the Sugar Bowl and everything I had to do with it, that was the one thing I regretted. Like, oh, I missed the Winter Classic. However, it went well. They won. Everything's great. 
And yeah, Joey DeCordo, and let's not forget, he's a guy that was in the American League last year with Coachella Valley. He only is with the team right now. Uh, he beat out Chris Drieger, who's coming off a devastating injury in camp. And the only reason he's starting right now is because our guy, Philip Grubauer, is injured. And yet he's turning in these performances. Um, and really, as we see the Kraken kind of marching forward here with this hot streak to start the new year and the end of 2023, um, really helping them fight back into the playoff race where they were kind of, you don't ever want to say out of it in December. But when they lost eight games in a row, you knew they'd have to make it up somewhere. And they're doing that uh, behind the hot hand of Joey Decord, who, again, was in the American League last year and was supposed to be in, in some point will be the backup again this year, but he's going to make them think long and harder, at least about a timeshare with Drew Bauer, especially as, as Phil comes back. It's a great backup to have. I mean, honestly, that's, that's the one way to welcome yourself to the, to the national hockey league, man. Let me tell you on the national stage and, and T-Mobile park, which honestly is <laughs> funny. I made the joke, you know, I'm like, yeah, the, the Kraken won three to zero. That'd be the score of a lot of Mariners games this year. And it'll probably be the inverse. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Guys, hey, Nashi, how about this? 2024 Huskies, Natty, Seahawks make the playoffs, Kraken go back to the playoffs, Mariners go back to the playoffs, and then the Huskies win the Big Ten in football. Huskies, Huskies ooh. back to the NCAA tournament. Ooh, I, I love that. I, like, I, 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 I I think I think a lot of that can happen. Uh, you lost me when you said the Mariners playoffs, but you lost a lot of that can happen. <laughs> A lot of that can happen. Oh my goodness! Well, I wish I was there with you, Nash, but this is a great time, my friend. This is this has been a great time. This is our first long distance uh, episode of the Como Sports End Zone. Nico reaching to reaching out to me, reaching out, touching me, touching you (laughs) Uh, from Houston. It's 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 fun. It's fun. Nico is on the road. He's our road warrior, definitely. Um, He's been on the road for many many things. He's he's got more. uh, he's he's got a lot of travel on his belt and hope and he'll come back after Monday and he's gonna have the next episode's gonna be even better, believe me. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll do it next uh next week. Hopefully talking about the natty, Naj. Hopefully, hopefully. All right, my friend. Um can't wait for that. Thanks for your time and thanks for watching and listening to the Como Sports End Zone podcast. I'm Nico. He's I'm Naji, I guess. <laughs> have a good wait, one. Go wait. dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>